At Qualcomm, we believe in staying connected, and you can see us wherever 5G is helping transform telemedicine, supporting remote education, and powering mobile PCs. The Invention Age is here. Learn more at qualcomm.com slash invention age. This is the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Here's Robert Kiyosaki. Hello, hello, hello. This is Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Today, we're going to be talking about my favorite subject, which is called real estate. And it's for all of you who are there who love real estate, who like, in my opinion, the best investment you can, in, asset class you can invest in, all your real estate buffs there, please tune in. Simply because everything is changing and the same is true with real estate. Now, the question is, how is technology affecting the business of real estate? And I think you may, you may have just seen that Amazon is now in the real estate business. And the question is, what does that mean? And there's crowdfunding now. You know, how do you raise money for real estate? Because that's the biggest thing I always hear about how to get the money, you know. And today we're going to find out how technology is affecting, number one, the business of real estate. Number two is the funding of real estate. And three, possibly get to it, is how you manage real estate. Because I think the management of real estate is the hardest part of the real estate deal, unless, of course, you're a flipper, and I'm not a flipper. So our guest today is a dear friend, long-time Rich Dad um, advisor on real estate, Ken McElroy. He and Kim and I have done many, many deals together. I would say he is one of the primary reasons Kim and I are financially free, is because Ken has a way of doing, you know, we started out doing deals right after, really, for a long time now, but the, when the crash hit in 2008, we, we thought we died and went to heaven because they dropped interest rates and the prices of real estate plummeted after the subprime crash. So real estate is more than just buying sticks and bricks. And so today we're going to be talking to Ken, who is definitely the smartest guy I know in the world of real estate. And we're talking about how technology, millennials and real estate and Amazon all come together and crowdfunding. So welcome to the program, Kenny. Hey, thanks, Robert. Always great to be on the show, for yeah. sure. Well, you, you add such a dimension because one of the things I talk about is you gotta have real teachers. And a real teacher is somebody who does, practices what they preach every single day, twice on Sundays, you know, you go to sleep thinking about real estate. So you're, you're the real teacher when it comes to real estate. So before we, let's just start with one quick question. You know, we got this article on how Amazon is now in the real estate business. What does that mean to you? Well, first of all, it's not surprising to me. I, I, I think what happens a lot of times, you know, I, I watch everything. I read everything every day. As you know, we have acquired um, over a billion dollars worth of real estate in the last 15 years. And so it's not surprising to me. There's a lot of very big companies that are in the space. And, you know, Amazon is just a big household name. So, but in you know, from what I read, there's been tons of money that has poured into uh, real estate. It's becoming a commodity. Um, the way I, what I tell people is it's, it's no different than what the airline business went through or the travel agency business went through when it went from, you know, you had to use a, a, a travel agent and then all of a sudden now you can just, you know, get a, a flight, you know, in an hour basically online. Everything's moving online. Um, Amazon is just the latest player. They're the biggest name, and they obviously are, have a lot of money. And but there's a lot of money being thrown at real estate right now. Uh, and and you're start we're starting to see apps 
location services. Um, you know, uh, now Zillow's a household name, but, you know, if you really look, Zillow hasn't been around that long. They have a company called Realty Track. They have, you know, Realtor.com. And so everyone's moved what used to be, you know, kind of paper pushing um, to a electronic platform online. Amazon, what they did is they just partnered with another group that was already public, and that group had, had been acquiring businesses. And so really what they became is the financial arm of a real estate partner. So that's actually what happened. Either the financial arm or the location arm, you, you know what I mean, other than the marketing arm. Oh, a, they're going to do both for sure. I mean, they're, but, you know, um, they're, they, it, 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 if you read the article, um, you know, Realogy, they bought Caldwell Banker Century 21, Barbara Kerkorian's company, you know, and they're public. And so what Amazon came in and did is they're, uh, you know, they're, they're, it, the article says Amazon is not getting into the real estate business. They're leaving that up to the partner. But they're, they're going to help them with the technology and certainly the money. And, and it's going to be a very interesting thing to watch. And, and mostly it's going to start off in residential for sure. Obviously, it's going to start off in the single-family homes, which is honestly almost already a commodity. You can go online right now and look at any neighborhood anywhere, pretty much, and you know find out what it got, what it was sold for, what it's listed for. You know, everything's gone online, which is, in my opinion, has been really, really great. It it levels the playing field for almost anybody. If you can't get rich in real estate now, yeah, you're a complete idiot. <laughs> still the idiot out there but anyway um what does that say let's say your boys your two sons said i want to become a real estate agent what would you say to them well i think what real estate agent uh means now uh you know it's interesting we've, we've traveled a lot together and and we see we're, we're seeing this also in the financial planning world you know john mcgregor as you know a good friend of ours and fellow advisor is um, you know, he will tell you that everything, even even investing in stocks and, or anything, it's become so easy. And that's why you have all these day traders, et cetera. So I think it's going to be very similar to that, in other words. And so if my kids ask me that question, I would say do it because of the education. You know, there's a lot of rules and laws and things that you really need to know. So it's just you don't learn about real estate in high school or college, uh, generally, unless it has, you know, some colleges have it as a as a degree, but generally you're not going to have that. And so, you know, digging down and, 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 and the real estate licenses and the broker licenses, I think is still a good idea because, um, you know, these are really, really educated. Uh, there's, there's a bunch of things that happen, as you know, between sellers and buyers, especially if you're trying to buy something that's complicated or it has clouded title or it has survey issues or it has environmental issues and all those kinds of things. Um, those are really important things to know if you're representing somebody. But real estate itself is all on the Internet now. And so finding deals and doing deals is so much easier. Um, and having the knowledge behind it, you know, that's just the wisdom and the experience, you know. Yeah, you know, to me, it's still the old school thinking that I still want to see the foundation. I want to see the roof. I want to check out the plumbing and, you know, the siding and the neighborhoods and all that other stuff. So uh, maybe, maybe that's just too old school thinking, but there's too, there's more to real estate than just the numbers. I mean, what do you think about that? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't, well, I didn't mean to, 
No, no, I, I, at all that that yeah, that was an important. That's super important. The due diligence and you know the actual physical inspections and all that stuff is really, really, really uh, important. But here's the cool part: like even my company today, we have about 250 employees. You know, anything you know, everything's done now through Yelp and you know, and and these these services that rate contractors and stuff like that. So you could literally, um, you know, you could literally pull up to a house today. Pull it up on the internet. Take a look at it. You can go on Yelp and and find some local contractors. Um, literally call them. You know, once they're in your local area, have them come over. Uh, you know, it, it's just so much easier and fluid now to be able to uh, find people to to you know to do those kinds of inspections and things like that. Even realtors in the areas, you know, I mean, you know, they work certain areas, and you can you can see that you can. Uh, you, you know, you can uh, you can see kind of who, who's who's specializing in, in certain areas, and and I think what is going to happen is, you know, there's algorithms and things that show like uh, already just like buying a car. You know, I don't know if you've ever gone on Cars.com, but I've bought at least a dozen cars off of there, um, not directly off the website, but it, uh, found different cars through Cars.com. It's kind of the same thing. Where, you know, like if you're buying a Ferrari, let's say, um, I look at the entire country, you know, and, and so it's the, kind of the same way when you're looking at a neighborhood, you, you know, you, you basically are taking a look for outliers, ones that are too high, ones that are too low, um, you know, and you're, all, you know, like you and I, we want to look at the ones that are too low. And so, you know, it's, it's great to have everything on the Internet so that you can, you can actually focus on stuff that might be value add and you can compare like, am I paying too much? Am I not paying enough? Um, et cetera, et cetera. And so the realtor, um, the realtor doesn't have the advantage anymore because all the information is on site. Like when I buy a car, it says good deal, fair deal, average deal. You know what I mean? And it kind of do it. Does all that work for you? You know? It's yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing because, you know, when I started out, they had this thing called MLS, right? Multiple listing services, and they got these huge books, and I'd have to sit there and look at pictures and scan the numbers and use my brain for a change. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this is a quick question. Is, you know, I was watching, the, watching television, and they said, all you have to do now is send us a location of your house, and we'll send you a, what, a, a, an offer. I mean, how the hell to they do that? It's, well... I, I actually tested that service. <laughs> you know, I'm sure you would. That's what I'm asking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's pretty smart. What they do, you know, there are people that need to sell stuff right away for who knows what reason, divorce or sickness or health or job location or job, uh, you know, relocations or whatever it might be. So um, so what they do is they just lowball you. So, you know, they take the Zillow number or whatever number they use and they just have a formula. And, you know, they, uh, you know, trust me, there's a, it's a big discount. It's not, it's not a market rate. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. So it's, it's yeah, what, but, it's, but, it, but it works. It's sort of what we used to do when we were just starting out. We'd fire, you know, we'd fire 10 lowball offers and hope nobody killed us for being so obnoxious about yeah. it. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, you, lo I know you, you love to negotiate on stuff. And so yeah. it'd be, you know, it's like something something costs whatever you you lowball it right i just right. i just bought a tricked out i i just bought a tricked out jeep that way right you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. the guy you know i i offered the guy you know like 30 grand less than he wanted right we ended up you know actually getting it for that so you, you know it's it's just the 
it's just that's part of the negotiation. So that's what that is. It's there. It's a way for somebody to cash out quickly, uh, but at a big discount. And then they that's where they create their value. Okay. Hey, Kenny, we're going we're to take a break, but I want to go more into how, um, you know, a big question always is, is where to find the money? And then when, now we have crowdfunding, and I want to ask your opinion on what crowd, how, how you do crowdfunding, because that's something I would, personally, would never do. But I'm an old guy, you know, plus I don't have to do that. And then the second question, property management. I mean, because property management is, is your strength, which gives, you know, you have, you have two strengths. You know, Ross is the bank guy, and you're the property management guy in MC Partners. I think that gives you guys an unfair advantage in that marketplace. And I guess my question is, how does that, how does that fit into the new age of technology? You know, we have we have the property management, which is, as you know, you either make it or break it in property management, but also is the funding, which which Ross, being a former banker, gives you guys an unfair advantage out there also. So when we come back, we'll be talking right. about the. In my opinion, the two really sophisticated parts of real estate, which is the funding, finding the money for it, and secondarily is how do you manage it? Because as you know, one bad property management and your, your, all your profits are gone in a split second. So when we come back, we'll be talking more to Kenny, Kenny McElroy. He's the author of a number of really great books, The ABCs of Real Estate Investing, which I recommend anybody. How many times have I told this to these idiots out there? Say, oh, this is real estate. Well, get Kenny's book. No, just tell me what to buy. I said, yeah, I just told you to buy Kenny's book. You'll save yourself a lot of pain and misery. So that's his first book. The second book, The ABCs of Property Management, which is you and I know is the key for long-term real estate. And then three is the advanced guide to real estate investing, and that's where you but that's where the magic takes place, is in the financing and the whole structuring of the structured finance deal. So the three books are ABCs of Real Estate Investing, ABCs of Property Management, and the Advanced Guide to Real Estate Investing. And I unabashedly say Kenny McElroy is the reason Kim and I became very, very rich when he became our partner about 20 years ago. So we come back, we're talking more to my, my partner and Kim's partner, Ken McElroy, and the subject is real estate plus technology. You're listening to The Rich Dad Radio Show with Robert Kiyosaki. Don't be like Charlie. Charlie is that do-it-yourselfer who does himself in. Do-it-yourself is good for tile and grout. It is not good for asset protection. Charlie thought he'd save a few dollars forming his LLC online. With no guidance, he did it wrong. When he sold the property, he lost thousands and thousands of dollars. He did himself in by trying to do it himself. Don't burn yourself. Use Corporate Direct to set up and maintain your LLCs and corporations. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton. Garrett wrote the bestsellers, Loopholes of Real Estate and Start Your Own Corporation. He is Robert Kiyosaki's attorney for asset protection. He and his team will do it right. Visit them at CorporateDirect.com or call 800-600-1760. Mention Rich Dad and receive $100 off your formation fee. That's CorporateDirect.com. CorporateDirect.com. What is your number one expense in life? Your number one expense. It's taxes. And I've asked the question is, how come there's no financial education in school, but why isn't there education on taxes either? You know, they tell you to save money, which is stupid. They tell you to invest in the stock market, which is stupid. 
I want to teach you about taxes. So here at Rich Dad Advisor, Tom Wheelwright, we're talking about his revision for his book, Tax-Free Wealth. Welcome, Tom. Thanks, Robert. So what's the Tax-Free Wealth about? What, what's different this time? It's a rev revised edition. Well, so what we did was, is we ha this is the first major tax reform we've had in 30 years, 2017. Right. It was 86 was the last one. 86 was the last one right. back when I was in Washington, D.C., so many guys got wiped out because of that tax change. <laughs> they did. They yeah. did. It wiped out an entire industry, savings and loans. This new tax law is just as big, but in a very different way. It affects different industries. You know, the tax law is always a series of incentives. And the question is always which incentives and which ones apply to me. And so the, the key to revising tax-free wealth was what is it, what changed so much in this new tax law that we can absolutely take advantage of, I mean, seriously, the amazing incentives. For example, I mean, the bonus depreciation, for example, for real estate is unbelievable. You buy a, a, a million dollar apartment, get a $300,000 reduction or more the very first year. So if you want to make more money and pay less taxes like Donald Trump and myself, get Tom's book, Tax-Free Wealth. It pays to listen. Now back to Robert Kiyosaki and the Rich Dad Radio Show. Welcome back, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. You can listen to the Rich Dad Radio program anytime, anywhere on iTunes or Android, and all of our programs are archived at richdadradio.com. We archive them for one big reason, is we are a financial education company, which means we don't recommend you buy or sell or do anything. And the reason we're reason we recommend we archive the program is if you listen to this program again you'll learn twice as much you know it's like you don't learn golf taking one golf swing the more golf swings you swing the more you learn so that's why we archive the program so you go to richdadradio.com if you have friends or family or interested in real estate or business partners please listen to this program again because our guest today is for kim and i our special partner ken mcelroy is a rich dad advisor Again, his three books are The ABCs of Real Estate Investing, The ABCs of Property Management, which is the key, and The Advanced Guide to Real Estate Investing. You know, and that's where everybody wants to get to. I want to do some of those tricks and how you got, how you make a million dollars and no pay to all those stuff, you know. But you've got to start with the basics, The ABCs of Real Estate Investing, The ABCs of Property Management, and three is The Advanced Guide to Real Estate Investing. So Ken's book, they'll make you millions, but also prevent you from losing millions. And that's probably the biggest thing, because real estate is not like buying a stock. The problem with real estate is illiquid. You, The moment you sign that dotted line, you're on the Titanic. You either keep floating, it'll take you down with you. And that's why real estate is much, much different than buying a mutual fund or you know, a, a Apple stocks or something. So once again, we're talking to Kenny, his company is MC Companies, and uh, we're talking about how technology is affecting the real estate business, especially the business of real estate investing. It's different when you're buying a house to live in for you know consumption, but when you're investing in real estate, like I said, real estate is extremely illiquid. It's hard to get in and even harder to get out if everything reverses on you. So, Ken, anything, any words of advice you want to have for the listeners out there? What's the difference between buying real estate and buying a mutual fund? Uh, well, it's starting to become not very – the, the, the difference isn't as, as wide as it used to be, for sure. So what's happening, you know, people always use I don't have the money as an excuse in real estate, and that's, that's basically going to be uh, going away soon because uh, it's so easy to raise money now online. It's – there's a lot of legal issue around it, so you got to be really, really careful. So there's 
there's two buckets of investors. One is a, an accredited investor, like yourself, Robert, and then a non-accredited investor. And there's a big difference, and, and the, the laws around those are very, very different. And so when you're talking about investing in a mutual fund, most of the time that would be a non-accredited investor. So accredited investors, um, you know, they have certain things that you have to, requirements you have to meet. Uh, but now this the crowdfunding is commoditizing everything. So you basically can invest through, through funds online like Fundrise and Realty Mogul and Ground Floor, um, for example. And there, these are, these are services that have been um, around not very long, like five, six, seven years. And you can invest only $500. And so like Fundrise, for example, which is the largest right now, they're, they're at $1.4 billion in investments. And these are loans and they're multifamily developments and office buildings and new construction homes and acquisition loans and construction loans. And so basically they're taking your money like a bank online and they're investing it and they're giving you a return that you can invest. It's like, it's almost like, a, in, it's almost like a money market fund then that where they actually move your money. It is Robert. It's literally a money manager. Essentially. Yeah. You, you know, you're, you're coming in and you're you're investing 500 bucks. Some of them have thousand dollar minimums. But the point is, is that um, you know they're you know you basically just you know transfer your money over to this group, and then you don't really know what they're going to invest in. So it's not that much different than a bank, but it's they're pre-regulated, obviously, just like banks are, and um, you know much different than an accredited investor, which you know is um, uh, we do $100,000 minimums for those, but this is, you can, you can do $500, $500. And, you know, I don't think we want to talk about people getting into the money raising business, but I, it's what we really should be talking about is that it's so easy to get money today. Like, you know, there's so much money going to real estate in so many different ways. Uh, this crowdfunding is just incredible to me that, um, you know, people, it's literally like investing or putting your money into a bank and then they take and go invest, you know? And then, um, you know, like I said, your partner is Ross and he is, he comes from the banking industry as an SNL crisis. Well, they're gone now, but anyway, <laughs> that gives, gives MC companies a leverage. But also then we talk about property management. And the last time I talked to you, you were talking about, you went to this conference and you were noticing how technology was also affecting property management, which is, in my opinion, the hardest part of the real estate business. So how is, what do you see happening yeah, with technology yeah. and property management? Well, good point. So a lot of people, like buying a mutual fund is super easy, right? Like right. you buy it and you you walk away and it, it performs like it performs. Well, real estate is not like that. You know, you buy a single family house in the middle of Ohio somewhere uh, has maintenance, doesn't have a renter, you know, has all these things as capital needs and regular ongoing maintenance needs. And so it's, it's not, um, you know, uh, a passive investment. It's an active investment. So, um, and so the, there's a lot of really, really cool things that are, that are coming out right now, um, that we're implementing in our company, uh, around, uh, payment of rent. Uh, which, you know, as you know, used to be super old school, you know, it, you know, they would drop off the payment at your office or you would have an office and they would come in with a check or cash and, you know, there's a whole system. Now that is all completely streamlined, as you can imagine. So just the collection of money 
requires almost no time. And it, you know, it's all direct deposits, or you know, you can you can take a picture of a check and put it in your bank that day. So the the transition of rent and collection and all the way all the way, and which is a property management function, is really really streamlined, which has been amazing. And same thing on the expense side. So um, you know, there's all kinds of services and apps and things that we've done for our maintenance that, you know, you can imagine, you know, we're, we're tracking anything and everything um, that's actually going into the property, like a water heater or a plum, you know, or a, a washer and dryer or a refrigerator or a carpet or whatever. That's all now done online. So you're getting these, um, you know, these expense reports that, you know, are, are super sophisticated, which has never been done before. But then from a resident standpoint, you know, just the, you, you can literally text or, uh, uh, you know, go on your app and put a work order in for, for anything immediately. And so the communication used to be so old school where, you know, they would go into the office and say, you know, I have a water leak or I my toilet's running or whatever. And then the office would write up a work order and then the work order would be given to the maintenance guy. And, you know, maybe they got to it that day or the next day or hopefully, but now it's instant, just like a text. And so, uh, it's really, really, really neat, um, the sophistication. And so what, what I was talking to you about is I went and spoke to a thousand millennials in Seattle about two months ago, um, which is, of course, we were right near uh, one block from the Amazon headquarters and a lot of the, a lot of the folks in there were from Amazon. And, um, it, you know, the, obviously Seattle is a very tech city. And so it was very, very cool to hear the way that people are running you know, hundreds of homes, you know, on an app, you know, with virtual assistants and all kinds of things. Like the technology is really, really helping the efficiency uh, and the customer service for the actual residents and, and for the, for the landlord. It, you know, they're outsourcing everything these days. It's, it's pretty wild. So that's, does that save you a lot of personnel time and money and pay and all that stuff? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, as you know, my company's been around 20 years. And, you know, we, we came old, from old school, and so we're wrapping our heads around, you know, that, right? You know, how can we be more efficient? But also, not, not necessarily just to save money at the company level, even though that is the byproduct. It's really about customer service and taking care of the resident. Because if you have a great renter in a house or an apartment, you want to keep them there, and you want to provide a high level of customer service to them. That's really the reason. Um, and just like, you know, I remember you, you and I have talked about, you gave me that book about automation and AI and how all that's working. It's the same thing in, in property manager. You know, it's just like in advertising, for example, Robert. I mean, we used to take, when I first got into the business, we used to pull uh, an ad out in the newspaper. You know, and then it went, then they started having like, you know, homes and realty magazines at like at the corner of Circle K's or 7-Eleven or CVS. And, and now those are all gone and it's all online. And so essentially it's all done through blogs and, you know, and Facebook and, and Instagram and things like that. It's all now on these social media platforms. And so, you know, just even that on how, how a person looks at a place, buys a place or rents a place online, it's a lot of times it's happening. They're not even, they don't even have to, like, like let's say we have something in Phoenix and they're moving from New York. They don't, you know, most of the stuff is done online through virtual uh, tours and things like that. Uh, you can do a credit app online. You can, um, you can have your credit run online. You can have your bank, all that stuff transfer online. And you literally 
can can uh, buy a home or or rent a home and uh, so quickly these days and and not even ever have to even visit it. But uh, thank you. I got two quick questions of you. Number one is how do you handle that nasty thing called eviction because that's a big part of it. And the second part is have you noticed a difference between millennial renters versus the old guys like baby boomers? Have you noticed any differences yeah. there? Yeah, oh, good question. Yeah, so I'll answer the second one first. There's no question. So millennials, um, have, uh, they require a lot less space. They're, they're pretty mobile. You know, everything's, uh, <laughs> you know, offices, as you, offices are, you know, like Google. You know, they're all outside. You know, people, they move around. They don't, people don't have offices. And so, so you, you, people are running businesses and doing consulting work and sales jobs and things like that from their laptops or iPads or whatever. Um, and so they're doing it from coffee shops and, and, and you, know, all, you, you know, we're starting to see things, you know, like WeWork and these shared workspaces and things like that. And so that's, that's what that means, Robert, is that the old school, um, hey, uh, we got 2,000 employees that work in this building and therefore, there's you know, you know, buying an apartment building or, or a rental across the street is going to be a good thing. While it still might be a good thing, it's not what it used to be. In other words, you don't have people showing up at eight o'clock and pouring out at five anymore. Um, and so these folks can be anywhere they want. And so that you know, the mobility is a big, big deal. And you know, uh, you know, if you really boil it down, uh, corporate America has not been very loyal in my opinion, to our generation or even the millennials. And so they know that. And so um, they're jumping around. You know, they're looking at, they might work somewhere for, you know, 10 months, a year, year and a half, two years, and then go somewhere else. It's nothing for them to go from Seattle to San Francisco to New York to Chicago or whatever. So, uh, yes. Uh, and honestly, uh, one of the trends that's happening in the real estate business is these small apartments, you know, uh, uh, studio units of 300 to 400 square feet. Basically, they just need a bed, um, small kitchen, and a bathroom, and yeah, that's it. And so those are starting to uh, pop up all over the place, you know, as, 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 as there's a little bit more, more mobility. And then how do you handle eviction in this thing? So that's always been the same. Um, it, you know, it's actually also um, coming of age, you know, so people's credit, uh, their rental history, you know, um, and, and their, their financial capability. Uh, that also, as you start to see with these new credit score services and things like that, that's also become, you know, technology has brought that to a head. And so believe it or not, it's actually easier these days for, for us to, to run credit on people and, and to really understand uh, whether or not they can pay or not. And, and so the, the key to, we, we actually, we have 10,000 tenants. Um, we have very, 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 very little evictions um, because the key is just like anything, um, making sure that they can pay in the beginning. And so if you do that first, in other words, what, where, what happens is a lot of times uh, when people are trying to fill a vacancy, they, they rent to, you know, somebody through the newspaper or, or Craigslist or something like that without doing the proper background checks. So those are the horror stories that you hear. But if you just tell a renter, hey, I'm going to run a credit check on you, you know, and they have, let's say, a criminal history or something or, or bad credit, they're going to run. They're not going to even have you run it. So just say that and, you know, and you'll eliminate 90% of your problems, right? That's good. So it's, it's, you, also, you also talk about... Yep credit and criminal background checks, right? 
Well, we, we actually do credit criminal and sex offender checks, believe it or not. You know, sex offenders um, are horrible, obviously. And so if you move one into a property, um, different cities have different regulations, but you have to notify the neighborhoods, for example, that there's a sex offender living in the neighborhood. And so obviously that can be super disruptive. I've had it happen to me. Um, you got, you got, you got, you got evicted because of that? <laughs> no, my God. Jeffrey Epstein. We had a guy, we had a, nice, we had a guy move from Texas and he's supposed to register in the state of Arizona. He moved into a property in Flagstaff that we owned and they notified, um, the, you know, the whole community. Hey, there's a sex offender that lives in this community. It was a 300 unit apartment building. Well, you can imagine <laughs> the disruption we had, oh, uh, you know, cause if you have a, if you're a mother or a family with you know, kids, um, and you live next door or even two, three, four doors down, um, that's not what you want. So, um, you know, and, and so, you know, we ended up, we ended up having to, we ended up moving him out, but, and he obviously it was because he, you spoke, you're supposed to register in the state, um, first, and then, um, and then it comes up when you pull their credit and their criminal background check and all that. So the criminal background check is another thing different than credit, obviously, and, um, but yes, we don't want people that have felons, you know, that are uh, convicted felons and things like that. And we, we can, um, uh, uh, you know, decide uh, not to rent to those people. Quick question. You, t- you mentioned Seattle and Seattle has one of the biggest homeless populations. LA has huge homeless populations from your, from your position, you know, as being in the apartment business, multi multifamily business, what's causing the homelessness? All across, I mean, wherever I go, homelessness is everywhere. Like in Honolulu, it's just massive. And Seattle is yeah, massive. It's, it's, LA is massive. Yeah, I know. Well, I grew up in Seattle, so I got to watch it slowly over a long period of time. And um, it honestly has the most to do with affordability. So Seattle has, because of, um, you know, Amazon, Microsoft, uh, Boeing kind of started at Starbucks. Um, you know, it's a super progressive city and, um, you know, it is what it is. It's like Manhattan. It's constricted by water and mountains and everything is super expensive. Um, and Seattle's now not, it's, it's not undiscovered like it, it was when I was growing up. So it's expensive. You know, you're looking at two, three thousand dollars, three thousand dollars for a two bedroom. Um, and, and so that is usually the issue is the, the, they can't. Um, afford to live anywhere. So and, wait, um, let me ask this question: why. If if you have higher wages, you know, like right now they're proposing twenty dollar minimum wage and all this stuff. The higher the wages, the more unaffordable property get becomes. Yeah, yeah. So there's a correlation. Think, you know, higher. I'm a yeah. I'm a proponent of that. I, I don't think I don't think there's a big correlation. I, I think what happens is, as you know, just in any market, you know, prices uh, jump. And then they fall, and same with rent. Rents, you know, sometimes there's rent growth, and sometimes there isn't. And sometimes it it goes negative. So the key, what we do, of course, is we try to buy when it's low, and and right. and, and 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 try to get that that wave in. And so, so what you're seeing is, um, you know, the opposite of that. All the this is the this is the downside of super expensive cities. You know, there's other ripple effects. For example. Uh, emergency services for uh, teachers, uh, uh, firefighters, police, they can't live in the city uh, because they can't afford to, you know, and so 
Um, and so now that's when you start to see this affordable housing and rent control and, um, you know, tax credit, those kinds of things are coming into the markets. That's the big thing right now is affordability. So what we've had is we've had a tremendous amount of rent growth. We've had a tremendous amount of appreciation and property growth. And that is squeezing out the people, um, you know, that are locked in on their wages. Uh, and so, you know, you're starting to see more and more and more of this homelessness that you brought up earlier. Right, right. Well, thanks again, Kenny. And we come back, we're going to ask Robert, do you have time to stick, uh, stick through? I mean, hang around, get yep. to the ask question, ask Robert questions? Of course, you bet. Yeah, because you know more about real estate than I do, so I just be BSing them. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, thank you for this part of the Rich Dad Radio Show. Again, our guest is Ken McElroy. He's agreed to stick around to the next part, which is Ask Robert. You're listening to the Rich Dad Radio Show with Robert Kiyosaki. Don't be like Charlie. Charlie is that do-it-yourselfer who does himself in. Do-it-yourself is good for tile and grout. It is not good for asset protection. Charlie thought he'd save a few dollars forming his LLC online. With no guidance, he did it wrong. When he sold the property, he lost thousands and thousands of dollars. He did himself in by trying to do it himself. Don't burn yourself. Use Corporate Direct to set up and maintain your LLCs and corporations. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton. Garrett wrote the bestsellers, Loopholes of Real Estate and Start Your Own Corporation. He is Robert Kiyosaki's attorney for asset protection. He and his team will do it right. Visit them at CorporateDirect.com or call 800-600-1760. Mention Rich Dad and receive $100 off your formation fee. That's CorporateDirect.com. CorporateDirect.com. Financial freedom begins with financial education. Now back to Robert Kiyosaki and the Rich Dad Radio Show. Welcome back, Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. And you can listen to the Rich Dad Radio Show anytime, anywhere on iTunes or Android. And all of our programs are archived at richdadradio.com. We archive them so because we're a financial education company. We make no recommendations you buy or sell anything. But we're an education company, and one of the best ways to learn is via repetition. So if you listen to this program again, especially if you're interested in real estate, because real estate is one of those mystical projects that if you buy it and you make a mistake, you're stuck with it. It's like buying the Titanic just before it goes down and you don't want to go down with it. Whereas a mutual fund is better for amateurs because you can buy and sell. It's very liquid. Real estate is not liquid. Same as a business is not liquid. So real estate is, takes a lot more sophistication. So our guest today is my business partner, investment partner, Ken McElroy. He's the author of three great books, ABCs of Real Estate Investing, the ABCs of Property Management, and the Advanced Guide to Real Estate Investing. And we're talking today about how technology affects the business of real estate. In front of me, you know, technology makes certain parts easier, but there's some fundamentals that you still must follow. Simply again, for that same reason, Real estate is not liquid. You make a mistake, you're stuck with it. So once again, you can submit your questions to ask Robert at richdadradio.com. And Kenny has so graciously agreed to stay with us and answer the questions because he knows more about real estate than I do. I always ask the person who knows the most. So Melissa, what's the first question for Ask Robert? Our first question today comes from Rusty in Austin, Texas. 
Says Robert, are you concerned with possible legislation inflicting rent control and other legislation that would be directly negative to yourself and other landlords? Is your strategy to stay out of those markets or do you find that there are still good ways to make money in those markets? It looks like Austin might be headed in this direction with all the coastal cities moving here. Rent control is one of the most terrifying words I two terrifying words for me because it means the government becomes my partner in my business. So that's why I'm glad Kenny's on there because rent control is something I've had direct experience with because my uncle and aunt live in the Upper East Side of New York City and thank God for rent control because not for rent control, they'd be on the streets. Now on the other side of it, if I owned the building, I'd be upset because my uncle and aunt lived there for 20, 20 something years and they couldn't raise the rent on them. And this was a spectacular Upper East Side apartment in Manhattan. So I've seen rent control coming in in Los Angeles and other parts of the country. So Kenny, what do you think about rent control? Well, I agree with you. Uh, First of all, rent control, if you really look at it, hasn't worked. So what rent control was supposed to be is, and there is a need for this, it's, it's, it's supposed to be for people that can't afford rent. And so, um, and so the government, the idea I think was sound, but what, like in Robert's uh, example in New York, the trust me when I say rent control is not right now in New York, uh, you, you know, it doesn't help people that can't afford rent. <laughs> you know, it's being passed down generationally. And, um, you know, there are very wealthy people living in rent control apartments. So it just hasn't worked. So what you mean um, is they, they rent it to their kids or something like that or? Yeah, 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 yeah. It, they yeah. scam There's it. these rent control bills. Rent, yeah, exactly right, right. It's. I think it started out initially correct. Uh, and so there's different kinds of rent control. Uh, but the, the actual issue around um, rent assistance of some sort is actually an interesting topic. Uh, it's definitely needed. You know, there's Section 8, uh, which, you, you know, people have heard a lot about. That actually is a good program. There's these tax credits. Um, that they give developers to build properties that provide um, affordable housing inside of, of a bigger building. Rent control itself um, has, has not actually worked. And uh, it's, you, you do see it in L.A. The, Oregon, the state of Oregon just passed a big rent control law, and they're working through some of the details on it right now. And so it's a great question because of rent affordability is a big deal because of this we, we kind of touched on this in the in the interview with you Robert these cities um, they need uh, they need you know service workers and teachers and and, and police uh, uh, officials and, and fire firemen and you know they need people that are you know making less to be able to live in the city that is a problem and so these are the issues that the cities are trying to address and rent control is kind of the buzzword for it. And it's, it's definitely an issue, uh, in, uh, certainly in Austin. Austin is super expensive right now. I started buying there in the early 2000s. Um, and so I've, I personally have, have witnessed what's happened there. And obviously, we, we made a tremendous amount of money by being there. Uh, but it's happening all over the country. And um, I met with the governor of Arizona um, two months ago. And, and to talk to them specifically about rent control, uh, because we're even looking at it in Arizona, and um, you know, and there's there's ways to to handle the affordability issue 
and I just don't believe it's rent control. So as a as as an investor, how do you look at that? I mean, are there, I mean, doesn't that put a cap on how much money the ROI on the property? There's no there's no question, and that's actually part of the problem. It moves it it directs investment away, and uh, so you know this. It'll be interesting to, to watch. The state of Oregon is going to be honestly on stage for this issue to see what happens. But if uh, obviously, can you imagine if you if you're uh, uh, institution, private equity, or just even a real estate investor, um, and you and the state has a rent control policy or law, and uh, you know you probably are going to pass by Oregon, and, you know, <laughs> and move to you know somewhere else, right? So so they they don't realize the ripple effects because um, I personally would not invest in in Oregon until I understood the full law. And, and because yes, it does cap your income, um, and you know that's basically what they're doing. They're keeping things. Um, they're they're telling you that you can't rent your place for market. Right, and that's the reason you know Kenny's third book, and I, I do recommend one, two, and three. The the you know the basics and the property management, but the advanced guide to real estate investment. Rent control would blow apart the debt structure, finance structures, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, just imagine. Imagine you buy something. I can tell you for sure your uh, utilities are going to go up. Your your um, labor, your management costs are going to go up. Your labor is going to go up. Your your maintenance costs are going to go up. Your advertising costs are going to go up. Um, your property taxes are going to go up. But then the government says we don't care about the expenses. We're going to tell you that we're going to cap your income. So so you're gonna you know you're gonna have this you know people. People focus on rent growth a lot, but what they don't focus a lot on is, is expense growth, and that's actually where I spend most of my time. You know, year over year, expense growth is real, and so you—that's a factor. And so, what you want is obviously your rent growth to cover your expense growth. Right. And what the what the what what they're doing is they're saying, "Hey, we're going to cap your rent growth or your income growth." Um, and, uh, you know, certainly they don't care about the other part. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that, that's the part that scares me. Your rents, your expenses are definitely going to go up over time. Um, and then all, then what happens is you start to get into maintenance issues, you know, cause you right. don't have the money to fix, fix things. Up to, yeah. Yeah. What's the next question there? Our next question comes from Frank in Rhode Island. Says Robert, you keep saying there is a huge crash that is imminent, and I don't disagree. I do believe our economy is very inflated. My question is about buying property right now. I just purchased another three unit for a very good price of one hundred and sixty thousand. I plan on fixing it and bringing it to market value and refinancing it and pulling my money out. If I do this and the property still cash flows positive, would I still be at a serious risk if there was an economic downturn? P.S. I just finished fake and really enjoyed it. So thank you. That's great. Very smart guy. The thing about um, crashes, you know, I don't know what the big deal is. I mean, every 10 years, markets crash. And for most people, they live in fear of that, but for... Kenny and myself and professional investors, crashes are the markets having a sale. So that's like Walmart having a sale on T-bone steak or something, you know. And if they were, they were cutting the price of this T-bone steak from $10 a pound to a dollar a pound, you'd be buying T-bone steak. Well, that's why I think about crashes. But what Kenny, Kenny has a different point of view on that. With crashes, 
for us as jobs, right, Kenny? When you look at any kind of investment. Yeah, yeah, and I love the guy that I I love the fact that he put this example out there. So he bought a, a three unit for 160 grand and it cash flows. Well, that just tells me right there that there are still deals out there that yep. people can do. But you and I, we always go to cash flow. Period. And without jobs, there's no cash flow. So you, you know, <laughs> it, you, you got to follow the trends. And so if 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 you could still buy and there's cash flow, uh, you know, and good cash flow, and you're not super leveraged, I think that um, you know there's still some room in there. But there are definitely markets. I think sometimes what happens, people say. You know, hey, the real estate market's going to crash. Well, I can guarantee you it's not going to crash in Detroit, right? And, you know, it might crash in Seattle. It might crash in Austin. It might crash in San Francisco. But it's not crashing in Phoenix. And so you got to – and then even in those – there's sub-markets inside of those markets that um, are very, very, very different. You know, you've got good areas of Phoenix and bad areas of Phoenix and areas that are hot and areas that are not hot, areas that are being redeveloped and areas that are not being redeveloped. So there's lots of dynamics. And so the fact that he found a $160,000 place, uh, three units and cash flows, it makes me smile because that means that, you know, what you teach, Robert, and what you've been telling people to do is working. He's going to refinance. He's going to get his money back out. He just needs to make sure that it's still cash flows. Um, but you're right about the crashes. You know, cra- I, you know, right now we are having affordability issue. We are having price issues all over the United States. And um, that is a potential. You know, at some point, there's going to, we're going to start to see a ceiling and there's going to be uh, some kind of a bubble. You know, we talked about this on the credit side, uh, these credit bubbles that, that are pouring into real estate. So uh, I don't know when, but uh, I think all markets are not the same, you know. Well, there's something else that, you know, what I sent Ken A this, I should have brought it with me but this article about how pensions are gonna drive the next crash, you know, the defined benefit pension plans for the state, for the firefighters, police officers, and teachers. The pensions are gonna crash the market. But anyway, I sent that to Kenny, and I said thank you to him because about three years ago, you bought this huge property in Tucson, and then the private equity guys come in and they offer you ridiculous amounts of money for property because there's so much credit coming into the property market today. So at, at that point, you were you, you began to sell, didn't you? We almost never sell, but they're offering yep. so much money, you had to sell. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So we have, we've sold, yeah, we've, we, you know, based, this is a very interesting topic, as, as this guy is afraid of, um, of this crash. Well, so what we're, what we're doing is we're, we're selling in, it's just like stocks, you know, for us, you know, we have 40 apartment buildings, 10,000 units, um, you, you know, which ones should we be selling? And maybe we're at the top, maybe we're not, but we're certainly, we've done very, very well on them. So it's dollar cost averaging. That's all, that's all we're doing. We're, we're taking some chips off the table, keeping our, our properties that we think are the best located and, and, and have the best debt on them. But what I think a lot of people don't understand is, if a firefighter is a, uh, working in San Francisco and they're putting money into a pension, that pension has a pension manager. That pension manager's job is to put it into different kinds of investments, real estate being part of those kinds of investments. So that firefighter has no clue, actually, where their money is actually going. Um, and so 
that's what that article said, Robert, that you yep. sent me. Is it's a, it's the same thing, really, with the banks, except in the banks they're giving you a, you know a low interest rate. With the pensions, you're getting whatever the return is based on whatever that pension manager invests in. These pension managers are very very smart people, uh, but they're giving money to guys like me. You know, we go to pensions to get money for multifamily real estate in the form of construction debt, in the form of permanent debt, in the form of equity. You know, it's just a bucket of money. We don't really care where it's coming from. It's what it's, you know, what, what's the price of the money? Right. And so, you know, and so that's what I think a lot of people don't understand when they, when they stop, when they put their money into these insurance policies or these pensions, you know, it actually ends up investing you know, in multifamily potentially. Right. And the, th the point here is it's a bubble when we had to start selling the junk because it, yes. it, it was, because we couldn't, you know, it was, we were at the top, we couldn't make it cash flow anymore. So Kenny called up, he says, look, we have to sell. And that goes counter to all these flip your house guys because they all want to flip property. And when Kenny and Kim and I met, you know, 20 something years ago, Kim and Kenny and I, we love cash flow. We don't flip. So the market is so hot right now in the last couple, three years, we've had to start selling our non-performing, our junk. And that's what these pensions yeah, are going and, into. That's what's yeah. spooky. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just to take it another step, Robert, I, I don't know if I told you the story, but you'll love it. There was a property that we owned in Houston, Texas. Um, it's a couple hundred units that, we bought and we owned for five or six years and we had done some work on it. And so we had made some money on the equity. You know, we knew it was worth more, but we were having a heck of a time on the management, you know, getting, squeezing out the cash flow. It was cash flowing, but it was, it was super tight. And, and, um, it, you know, it was just, you know, we made a mistake, uh, perhaps on the location or, or whatever, it, whatever it was, but it was still cash flowing. We had made money. And so that was one of the, that was one of the deals on the, on the chopping block for us. We said, Hey, this is something that, you know, on the management side we've struggled with. We, we don't see any rent growth here and uh, we're getting killed specifically on our insurance with the hurricanes down there in Houston. Uh, that took a, a lot of our profit away, you know? Um, and so, uh, so we decided to sell it. So we put it on the market, we got it in escrow. Um, there was a buyer and then lo and behold, guess what I got? I got the package from the buyer soliciting me to invest in my own deal. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I said it to Ross, it was the funniest thing ever. I go, check this out. Look at this property that we, you know, we're in escrow with, with this buyer. And um, so it's the same old, same old. Like, it's like, oh yeah, the management sucks. You know, we're gonna put $10,000 a unit in here and we're gonna get $200 rent increases. and. And, um, and honestly, I hope they do it. But uh, the point is, is that we had tried and tried and tried and tried to move the needle on that property. Um, and here I was looking at the next guy's pitch. Yeah, before <laughs> and, he had it uh, closed. And it was a funny, oh yeah, it was like, oh, this is a big value add. And, and honestly, I hope, I hope you know, we, we just sold that six months ago and I, I hope it works out for them. But the point is, is that people are invest, people invested in that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I had already tried. So I, again, I really, really hope that the people that invested in that property uh, do well and maybe we missed something. But the point is, is um, you know, you can do anything you want. You can, you can paint any picture you want on anything and say it's going to be better next year. Uh, and that's 
the you know that's the mistake I think a lot of people make is um, next year is definitely going to be better than this year. <laughs> and I've always, as you know, I'm I'm a I'm not quite the optimist around that. I, I'm always no. trying to look at um, how is next year. If we lose everything next year, what position are we going to be in? Right. Hey, once again, this is Ken McElroy, the Rich Dad Radio Show. I want to thank you for asking your questions to Ask Robert. You can submit your questions to Ask Robert, uh, ask Robert at richdadradio.com. Kenny, thanks for sticking around because, like I said, you, you know far more than anybody else I know about real estate. So thank you for enlightening people. Of course. It's always fun, Robert. Thanks for having me on again. Okay. Well, I'll talk to you later. Everybody, thank you for listening to the Rich okay. Dad Radio Show. And... Good luck in the business.